0: Welcome to the AEM Education and Training Podcast, a collaboration between Brown University Emergency Medicine and the editors of the Academic Emergency Medicine Education and Training Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. Most emergency medicine educators are familiar with the milestones, the current evaluation system for emergency medicine residents but these have been shown to be imperfect and highly subjective. And at the same time, emergency medicine residents need to achieve competency in patient safety and quality improvement processes. Today, we're talking about a recent paper in AEM Education and Training called Implementation of a Pilot Novel Objective Peer Comparison Evaluation System in an Emergency Medicine Residency Program. First author, Dr. Crafton Schreyer, MD, MBA, is here to discuss it with us. Dr. Schreyer is an attending physician and associate professor of emergency medicine at the Lewis Katz School of Medicine at Temple University. And she's currently the medical director of capacity management for the Temple University Health System. She serves as the director of clinical operations for the Temple University Hospital Episcopal Campus Emergency Department and is the associate director of clinical operations for the Temple University Hospital main campus emergency department. She was recently elected to the AAEM Board of Directors and we're delighted to have the chance to talk to her about her work again. Don't forget to read the full text of this article available on the Brown Emergency Medicine blog at brownemblog.com. Dr. Schrader, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks again for having me. Excited to be back. Okay, so emergency medicine residents are evaluated through the milestones, which most emergency medicine medical educators are aware of, uh, which which were developed by the ACGME. Now, you note in the introduction to this paper that this is a bit fraught as it has been shown to be, um, I'm quoting your paper, imperfect and subjective. Can you tell us first about some studies that have shown that to be the case? Sure, Uh,
1: so we reference a few of these in our article. Uh, The first uh, really looks at a gender gap that was noted in uh, milestone attainment Um, that was done by Dayal et al. in JAMA in 2017, Uh, compared direct observation milestone evaluations of both male and female residents uh, in eight community and academic EM programs, uh, and found that although the male and female residents received similar evaluations at the beginning of residency, Uh, by the end, uh, there was a gender gap in evaluations uh, supporting males over females that actually continued uh, through graduation. Uh, Another one that we looked at was by uh, Dehan et al. And uh, forgive me if I'm pronouncing this wrong. I don't know (laughs) the (laughs) authors personally. Um, But that was done in the Journal of Graduate Medical Medical Education in 2015. Um, This was looking at a, a single program and looked at the agreement between milestone-based end-of-shift evaluation scores and the Clinical Competency Committee or the CCC ratings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and they found that there was poor agreement between those two uh, areas of evaluation. Okay. Two other ones, really quickly. Uh, Goldflim et al. and Westgem found um, a discrepancy between the emergency medicine residents rating themselves in milestones compared to faculty. Uh, and then another study looked at um, different assessment modalities of the milestones at different time points. So like before orientation, uh, after orientation, and then direct OBS, and again, found poor agreement between all of those.
0: Okay. And at the same time, the ACGME has been increasingly focused on the need for trainees to be competent in patient safety and in quality improvement processes. So access to data is, of course, very important in evaluating what needs to be improved and whether efforts to do that are successful. Um, and individual clinician data with peer comparison is one way that this is done with attending physicians or faculty. But prior to this study, what was known about using de-identified peer comparison data in the resident population? So
1: not as much as you might think. Um, there was an initial study that I like by Seabock Sire et al. that was published in 2019 in academic medicine um, that looked at the potential for uh, data from the EMR to guide resident assessment and feedback and, and got positive feedback on that. Um, Mm -hmm. There was another one that looked at uh, by Mom Tani et al uh, in uh, AEM education and training in 2019 that looked at um, the performance metric scorecards given to emergency medicine residents while they got feedback and saw that the residents were more satisfied with the feedback process compared to those their peers that didn't get the performance scorecards. Um, Mm -hmm. one specifically using, uh, data from the EMR looked at ultrasound scans. Uh, so this was Mm -hmm. by Hempel et al back in 2014. Um, and it looked at the number of scans per shift and they actually presented it in a non-anonymized way. So you knew where you stood compared to your peers, um, on an individual level. (laughs) And they saw an increase Mm -hmm. in the number of scans that you did. Um, Mm, and then there have been a few studies. The one which we cite is the Schumacher et al um, in pediatrics that looked at, developing the potential for quality measures, Uh, so things like uh, documentation, accuracy, dosing of medications, and uh, discharge instructions, and ways Mm -hmm. to incorporate those because the quality metrics, you know, quality is notoriously hard to measure, Um, so it was really hard to have those incorporated into the the evaluation system before before that.
0: Hmm. Okay. So in this pilot study, you evaluate the implementation of an objective peer comparison system for residents that looked at aspects of quality and safety, efficiency and throughput, and utilization. And you were looking at how that could be incorporated into the existing resident evaluation system. So can you describe how this program was set up?
1: Sure. Yeah. So we wanted to incorporate this as much as we could into the way our existing system was built. Um, You know, thinking that by introducing less change, we'd get more buy-in from the people that were uh, giving the evaluations and receiving them. Um, so first we, uh, looked at EMR based metrics to see not only what could be pulled from Epic, um, but what were things we were already looking at in some aspect? Um, you know, maybe it was for faculty or maybe it was for something else. Um, but, uh, Program leadership and operations leadership kind of decided on those metrics ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um, We pulled them from EMR, EMR, uh, and then we sorted them by year. Uh, So we thought it was important to provide or to emphasize, I guess, different metrics based on your year of training. So for the PGY1s, for example, we didn't want to emphasize throughput. That's not the point. You know, the point is mm-hmm. quality and safety. Yeah. <laughs> so they got those metrics, but the third year residents would also get metrics looking at throughput and utilization because by the time you graduate, those things are more important and, you know, should be to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we sorted those metrics by year and then we, we ordered them each um, in a rank order analysis and presented that graphically. So uh, you could see where each resident was compared to their peers. Um, and we sent that information to the CCC um, so they could review it in conjunction with the milestones they were already reviewing for the biannual meetings. Um, And then after the CCC meetings, those same metrics were anonymized and then they were presented to each individual resident at the mid-year and end-of-year meetings they had with program leadership. The only thing we added was the data itself, Mm -hmm. um, but the CCC review was already happening and the meetings were already happening. So we just incorporated the data into those.
0: Okay. So within those categories of metrics, um, so you had quality and safety, throughput and efficiency, and utilization. So within those buckets, what specific metrics were you evaluating?
1: Great question. Um, Our quality and safety metrics, we decided on uh, interpretation of EKGs and interpretation of x-rays as kind of the two big ones. So this was if you had ordered one of those on your patient's did you put an interpretation in? It <laughs> um, wasn't necessarily if, if you were right or wrong, it was just, <laughs> <Okay>. did you <laughs> interpret it, <laughs> uh, which is step one. Um, and then we also wanted to look at the time from the patient disposition selection to the note completion by the resident. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thought behind that was, you know, the completed note is really an important source of information for the team assuming the care of the patient, you know, the inpatient team. Um, so it's important to have that note done in a timely fashion. So. For all three of those metrics, the higher the score, the better you did. Mm -hmm. Uh, For our throughput and efficiency metrics, uh, we looked at, you know, what some might consider traditional metrics. So the time from room to physician evaluation um, and physician evaluation to disposition decision. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll note that, you know, uh, as an ops person, (laughs) I always go back to door to provider time or door to physician time. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think everyone knows that's really easily impacted by the arrival and volume curves along with patient acuity and the inpatient capacity. So we chose not Mm -hmm. to use that for the residents. Um, It was more about, you know, once the patient's in a room, how quickly can you see them? Okay. Uh, And then we also looked at the average number of patients uh, each resident saw per emergency medicine block. Um, So for these metrics, you know, for the room to physician eval and the physician evaluation to disposition decision, uh, the lower numbers were better. Um, For the average number of patients seen, obviously, the higher number was viewed as better. right? Uh, and then finally, the utilization metrics, uh, we chose to look at two things. Um, one was the number of procedure notes written, and the other was the number of diagnostic images ordered. Um, mm-hmm. The thought being that the lower numbers here were better, uh, meaning that you were utilizing the system less. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll note that the caveat there is that we're assuming that you're arriving at the, the same you know, correct diagnosis. <laughs> that you would uh, without the additional studies. But yeah, so that's what that was our thought process behind that.
0: Okay. So you looked at metrics then, it was from the 2020 to 2021 academic year and all of your eligible residents participated. So let's go class by class. Like what changes did you find among the PGY1s? Sure, so the, the PGY1s, the
1: most significant change was actually in the disposi- disposition to final note share. Uh, so we found that, you know, once we highlighted that <laughs> metric to them and, and kind of emphasized how important it was, there was a significant reduction in the time it took them to complete their notes, um, over the course of the year.
0: Awesome. How about PGY2s? Uh,
1: so PGY2s, we actually saw this, a similar change in the disposition to final note share.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but additionally a change in patients per ED block and uh, room to physician evaluation time. Okay. How about your threes? Uh, the threes uh, did really well. <laughs> uh, so they uh, improved on almost all categories. Um, the only two that they didn't were room to physician eval and then the physician evaluation to a disposition decision.
0: Okay. So what other findings uh, would you like to highlight from this? Uh,
1: so I guess I'll mention that, you know, when we were looking at the data here, we also did a cohort analysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we grouped each PGY year into different cohorts, a, a low, a middle, and a high. Um, And we saw the greatest improvements in the lowest cohort for all three years. Um, And, you know, this might be expected, (laughs) Um, but I don't think that it was a guarantee that if you gave someone in the lowest cohort data that they would have the drive to improve necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, we did see that. And we also saw that uh, in each class, there were only uh, three or four residents that didn't show any improvement. Mm -hmm. Um, So most people improved in at least one area.
0: Okay. So... In your discussion, you note, this is a quote, while normative data may be considered the antithesis of competency-based evaluation, it has been shown to enhance the sensitivity of assessments and have proven useful in a variety of clinical arenas. So can you go into that a little more, specifically why normative data is in conflict with competency-based evaluation? Like, do you think that broadening our approach here is the way to go? Sure. Happy to. And I'll, I know when I wrote this sentence, too, it was going
1: <laughs> to come back to me. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I will say so, um, you know, the readers are probably f- familiar with the fact that new milestones were introduced in 2013 um, with the uh, goal of making the milestones more outcome focused, less process focused. Mm-hmm. But, you know, anyone who fills out the milestones knows that they're based on skills, right? It's like, can the resident recognize, monitor, identify, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, which by nature, I think, are subjective um, because they, ha- they have to be based on the interaction or experience with whoever's evaluating them. Right. Um, and, you know, a competency-based evaluation targeting these skills, to me, really means that, you know, can an individual achieve the skill at some baseline level, regardless of, how their peers are doing, or if they could potentially do that skill better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, normative data uh, really is about comparing individuals to the, the quote, norm of their peers. Um, so what we felt was that it put the evaluation in context. Um, and it, it relied on actual outcome metrics. You know, it's hard to argue with data pulled from the EMR. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no matter how good you think someone is, if the numbers say otherwise, then maybe you're you're biased in some way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and I think we all have biases and sometimes they're hard to recognize and the objective data, um, helps us overcome those. So I I guess, you know, long answer short, (laughs) um, I think broadening the approach is indicated. I think that there is value to both. Um, but the objective and normative data that's used in other professional settings Um, You know, including in in medical careers, you know, later on, more more so for faculty, Mm -hmm. um, should be incorporated into residency evaluations.
0: Okay. So what would you like uh, readers or listeners uh, here to take away from this study? And what do you think needs to come next?
1: So, you know, I think my big takeaway that I want people to get is that it's possible to incorporate these objective peer comparison metrics into an existing evaluation system. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really not too heavy a lift. And it does lead to improvement. Um, I think that more work does need to be done in terms of honing the metrics, uh, you know, making sure we're defining them correctly, uh, and then evaluating if the improvement we're seeing, uh, you know, how much of that is due to this feedback versus expected growth, uh, because we all know residents improve during residency. That's why they're training. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that deserves some more investigation. Um, and I think it would be interesting to see, you know, what interaction there is between the subjective milestones that exist and the objective data that goes, that pairs with them.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much again, Dr. Schreyer, for coming and talking to us about this paper. I appreciate your time.
1: Oh, yeah. Thanks for reading it.
0: Thanks for listening to this AEM Education and Training podcast. Be sure to read the full text of this article, available on our blog at brownemblog.com. Subscribe to all our AEM podcasts on Apple Podcasts. Search for AEM Early Access, all one word. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.